On this week's episode, we third wheel a Waffle House with Love, Simon. Is every high school the same? Would you save Martin for last? How many times around the Ferris wheel could you last? Find out now. You're listening to Grayson's birthday episode of 24 Flames Per Second. everybody welcome to another episode of 24 flames per second it's the podcast that roasts the films we love the most everybody and uh, as always i'm your host robert bohorkas and welcome to the show um as we uh we're into february it's almost we're almost at a year of quarantining everybody get ready get pumped um but uh but yeah we're excited um we've got a motorcycle outside um just in time for uh, birthday episode for one of our one of the favorite folks we got on the show. Um, and before we get to introducing everybody and getting into the show, just some uh, pre uh, uh, celebration announcements. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody. So for um, our Patreon, uh, we are going to make a change this month um, for because we we've been we mentioned this at the end of every show that we do we talk for another like. You know, 20, 25 minutes um, as part. It's for our extended play, which is our post show, just for our Patreon subscribers. Um, and so we're changing that. It has been at the $10 level, I think, since we started doing them. Um, and we're just going to knock those down to $2 moving forward. Um, because, I don't know, we have a lot of fun doing them. And I want more people to uh, be able to listen to them without it being, uh, I don't know, $10, $2 is a, it's a big difference between 2 and $10 a month. So um, we hope, uh, yeah, anybody listening, I hope that uh, gets you. Um, more excited to listen to him go back and listen to whatever you want there's a lot of them um, and there's, there's cars outside in them too um, but uh, yeah everybody we're uh, excited to be doing that so head over to patreon.com slash 24 flames pod um, get on that that's the only thing that's changing for now um, but that's what we post the most on there so um, it should be good and then there's also a drink along come this weekend so uh, get pumped for that um but uh yeah everybody we're uh just uh, gonna get into everything um and i should have mentioned that uh this episode we're doing love simon which was uh, grace's choice and we're excited to uh to dive into it so uh first things first well, let's get the co-host in here we got the brand of my simon uh he's a man that i do love quasi phillips oh what's up man how's it going <laughs> i love you too what's yeah. up how's uh how are you how's it how's how's Everything. Well, better now. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing all right, man. Today's been a it's been a wild day, but I'm glad that I get to hang out with some homies and talk about a movie. I'm yeah. To it. Yeah, man. Uh, did you watch the movie this week? I did not. I watched this in theaters, though. It was hmm. a one of the very few romantic comedies I've seen in theaters. The last one I think I saw was. The proposal with Ryan Reynolds and Sam right. Sandra Bullock. Well, we did go see Deadpool. Does that count? Um, it's romantic would, and it is what? a comedy. You know what? I'm 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 gonna put that in the win column. Yes, we yeah. have seen three <laughs> romantic comedies <laughs> in theaters. Um, but yeah, this was. I remember seeing it. I remember really walking out of the theater. Um, uh, I liking it so I'm, I'm curious what our panel is going to talk about because there's yeah. I mean I didn't know it was based off a book either uh, oh. it's based off of Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda uh, which is a book written by um, Becky Albertalli I think um, hmm. which I, I had no idea and, and when you hear a title like that I was kind of expecting maybe like some Juno-esque vibes but right. I think that it definitely has its own lang- language which I really liked. And it's also like one of maybe two pictures that 20th Century Fox has released with a sympathetic uh, gay protagonist, which is crazy. Sure. Which is, wow. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, and I think we should, just about yeah. the representation. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. And our panel's, our panel's really good. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward. To that. I had no, yeah, I didn't know that um, it was based off a of book, so I'm, I'm looking forward to to hearing about how it you know how it relates whether or not it captured that um captured what the author was trying to say because the author really loved the movie so i think that um she's she's outspoken as it being a good good representation of the book so i'm curious cool. what uh, our panel thinks about it 
I did not know that. Um, or maybe I did, but I didn't know the title of the book. I don't know. It sounds familiar. <laughs> this is all new for you. <laughs> I, hey, usually it is all the stuff, all the background stuff we, we get. Um, but but yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of roasting points here on my sheet, so we'll we'll get into it. Um, so yeah, let's get into uh, the panels that we've got for this birthday episode. Um, and we'll uh, we'll start with the roasters as always. Uh, first up, we've got um, a co-producer of Seattle's The Moth and a storyteller. You can find her on Twitter at Casey Rom. Casey Rom. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. Uh, I'm glad I had a, an excuse to come out of my constant stream of Gossip Girl. It's literally been mm. running in the background for like a week at my house because wow. I've never seen it before and it's on HBO Max, so... Um, it's real bad, so I'm glad I had a reason to <laughs> shift my is it focus. The right, is it the right type of bad? Or it's is it a just... perfect type of bad, and it's okay. like, I've literally, like I said, it's just been constantly kind of running in the background, like, no matter what I'm doing, so it, you don't have to pay full attention to it, but <laughs> it is a mess of a show. I can't believe that <laughs> it lasted six seasons. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, well, we're glad you peeled yourself away from it to, uh, to join you. us here. <laughs> um, and also roasting this week, we've got filmmaker and... Jesus fucking Christ. They're doing street races over here. I'm so mad. I, this is the most road noise I've ever heard sitting here recording. Um, also on the roasting panel this week, got filmmaker and political activist. You can find him on social media at True Cody Olson. Cody Olson. Hello. Hello. How's it going? These are going good. Yeah, I mean, nothing too noteworthy. We just had a remarkably pretty sunset tonight. I don't know if anyone caught mm-hmm. that. that was, uh, I was watching the film and uh, making sure I was watching, but I also positioned myself pretty close to the kind of view that I have uh, so I can kind of watch that and continue to watch the film at the same time. Wow. Uh, Isn't it nice when you get when your environment matches the film you're watching? You know, it, it honestly <laughs> like there were some scenes where I could just like I walked away from the computer and would you know the audio was still playing and I was kind of mm-hmm. watching the sunset and I was like, this works, you know? This, <laughs> yeah, cracks. All right, all right. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, well, very good. It's great to great to have you here this week. Um, and now to the defense, the birthday boy himself, director of photography and tracer. You can find him on social media at Grayson Arts. Grayson, hey. Hello, how's it going? Hey, Hello. how are Happy you? Happy birthday. birthday! Thank you. I'm super excited. <laughs> super excited to be here uh, defending this movie. Yeah, one of my favorites. So, um, well, you got another year of mileage on you. Uh, before we get into the movie and love Simon and everything, and movie in a minute, um, what, uh, what, 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 all those young whippersnappers? What knowledge, wisdom, can you uh, bestow upon what? us? Oh, see, age does not necessarily bestow wisdom. And I think boomers kind of prove that. Hmm. That's true. Zing. That's true. <laughs> all you boomers out there. We, we all see you, you boomer. All our boomer listeners. <laughs> so Alex, Alex Garamoni's mom, Nadine, who she only listens to episodes Alex is on. So he's not going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell her hey, we, that we gave her a shout out. That, that's yeah. better than what my mom does, which is not listen at all. So, well, what are you gonna do? You gonna do? Um, okay, well, the wisdom is oldness doesn't equal wiseness. Um, Correct. Great, great, good. Um, well, I'll say that. I'll, we'll sorry, I've been here, but like, great, Grayson's making a shit. I don't. I can only speak for myself, but I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I'm just going to clarify. Not... You said shed, right? Shed, yeah. Shed. I... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want to clarify. Yeah. No, it's, no, another, no. it's another wisdom drop from uh, Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the wood concoction known as a shed. Not, uh, not to concoction? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this show's a chemical, off the rails. A chemical compound. AKA a shed. Hey, we're we're Hopefully, sometime soon, I'll actually have like a door and windows in the shed. Yes. Baby mm-hmm. steps. It's an enclosure for now. Um, we're way off track here. Um, happy, <laughs> birth- happy birthday, Grayson. Let's get into movie in a minute. Um, 
And uh, so you, you know how this goes at this point. Uh, give us the full plot synopsis of uh, Love, Simon. Spoilers and all. And, uh, and we'll give you 60 seconds and a three count. Are you ready? I am ready to go. Saw that. Thumbs up. Okay, uh, well, here we go. In three, two, one, go. Simon is a typical uh, closeted home um, suburbanite uh, uh, and uh, is finds out that there's a, another closeted gay kid at school. Um, they start emailing each other. They essentially start a relationship while through those emails, uh, though they don't know who each other are. Um, there's a play going on. It's cabaret, but that's uh, not important. Um, Martin is uh, finds out uh, or gets access to the emails um, and starts blackmailing um, Simon to get him to hook up with Abby. Uh, lots of random pairings happen. Uh, then they all have a falling out because it comes out that uh, Simon orchestrated all of this because he was being blackmailed by Martin. Martin outs Simon, uh, which causes Blue, who's the email guy, uh, to uh, basically pull away. And, and you're then, out of time. Uh, almost got to the, to the Ferris wheel. But that was it. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, the Ferris wheel almost. is the end of the movie. Um, but, but yeah, so everyone um, kind of in Simon's, you know, close circles is like, yay. Um, and it's pretty amazing and wonderful about it, um, including his friends, his family. Um, <clears throat> and so Simon, you know, has decided it's it's cool to lean into it, and he posts a very nice like, hey, you know, Blue, if you're still out there, let's do this thing um, on their like school or town. I don't know how big the scope of this message board is, but um, every, for all intents and purposes, everyone in the town knows of this. Um, Was that the town fair, right? So. Well, but the I'm talking about Creek Secrets. The I don't know if that's the, like a the, high school thing or if it's everybody. Creek Wood, so I think it's, it's probably ah, okay. Yeah. It just transcends academia. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so he he posts and kind of owns it on there and says, "Hey, it's gonna get mushy blue. Let's 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 date. Um, I'll be at the Ferris wheel at the carnival." Um, and so he goes and rides the Ferris wheel till closing time and nobody shows up. Uh, Martin turns out to be a little less of a trash bag and comes and pays for one more ride. Um, and then turns out to be Bram, who is this uh, this jock that he you know first originally thinks might have been blue, comes and um, joins him on the Ferris wheel and they start dating. And that's kind of the end of the movie. Everybody has high school after that, happily ever after. Um, and that's, uh, and that's Love, Simon, everybody. Um, and so we will continue the birthday festivities after a quick break. Everybody will come back. We'll get, uh, Grayson's opening statements, why he's here defending Love, Simon, why he chose Love, Simon for his birthday, everybody. Uh, we will be right back. And we are back, everybody. Welcome back to Grayson Hayes' birthday episode. Very excited to uh, be doing Love, Simon. It was his choice. And so, yeah, Grayson uh, didn't uh, make it all the way around the Ferris wheel for movie a minute, but that's okay. Um, let's get your opening statements. Why did you choose Love, Simon for your birthday? Well, so Love, Simon, um, uh, like uh, Quasi said at the beginning, was based on a book. I reviewed this book um, for um, a queer literature um, blog a long time ago when it first came out um, while I was still married um, and fell in love with the book. Um, it's clearly um, targeted at like young adult, new adult. Um, and uh, it was a really positive and upbeat like coming out story, which um, if you're involved in any kind of like queer uh entertainment you recognize that that is a rare rare thing to find a movie that is an upbeat coming out story almost always you know there's some violence uh involved in the coming out or um you know a lot of like really awful things happen um to the person who's coming out and so to have a movie that um was an uplifting coming out story um is unique and and is is really rare um in inside of culture 
And um, so for this movie, like combined with, with my love of the book, plus um, them doing a, a really pretty admirable adaptation of the book, um, this movie ha has just really kind of like stuck with me um, uh, since the first time I saw it. I saw it in the theater on opening weekend. Um, and, um, you know, granted, it also came out at a time when I was going through a divorce. So, like, there's a whole lot of, like, other emotional things tied up into the movie, which is why mm -hmm. I picked it, right? Um, but overall, it's just, like, it's a really uplifting story um, that, um, you know, it, it shows that, that while coming out feels like a big deal, if you have the right people in your life, it doesn't have to be like a traumatic experience okay um well very good i think i love that i love that there was yeah the, i love those moments when art just kind of intersects at these crazy moments in your life and just like speak to you and it's this story that you also love so much so that's really fantastic yeah. thanks for sharing that yeah righty. so roasters um i think before we get into plot and stuff, I think <laughs> yeah, it's going to be important this dice, guys. <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be... On behalf of myself and Casey, we're absolutely excited to roast this film after that incredibly hard film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen. listen that's, what, that's what we're here for. Oh, God. Um, let's start with... I want to start with the friend group, with, you know, the kind of the main characters of the movie. Um, and that could include Martin, up to you. I don't... In my brain, he's not necessarily a friend, but you know, we have I have Martin separate on the list. So I mean, I'm thinking of Abby and Leah and um, the other guy. I forgot his name. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's Nick. Um, mm. I, I'll start with because this is definitely like the sticking point for me, and the reason that I volunteered to roast this movie is that I find this friend group to be very unbelievable. I think that it does a good job in the beginning of setting up like, okay, he's known Nick and Leah forever, but um, Abby's new and like, but he feels like he knows her. And ultimately he comes out to Abby before anyone else, which I thought was like, that kind of rang true to me. And so I was kind of on board. And then when he gets outed, granted he did some kind of shitty things, but you would think that their ire would turn to Martin who blackmailed him and also like, outed him and instead they turn it all on him and it it appears to go on for quite a while like I think I can understand being mad at an old friend who does something kind of shitty to you and I don't think that what he did is like completely forgivable but I do think that if I had been friends with someone since, since kindergarten and I went through this thing I might be mad for a day or two or like alone over christmas break because it's heavily implied that he doesn't talk to anyone over christmas break um but by the time this whole incident happens in the cafeteria where these bullies kind of make fun of him and the other gay kid at school i feel like his longtime friends would have stepped in at that moment and defended him and instead it's this like kind of random teacher character that we barely know at this point and Additionally, it doesn't appear that they really make up as a friend group until the play, which I I wasn't a drama kid, but I think plays usually happen in like the spring um, <laughs> and or like closer to the end of the year. And depends. so, yeah, yeah, the fact that they like weren't really talking for, let's say, a quarter or as long as a, almost a full semester of school is really bizarre to me. I just don't think that they would like watch their friends suffer that much and still hold that much resentment, especially in high school when your emotions are really kind of like all over the place. And, and I think that they would have gone to him sooner. And so I think it, it started really believable and then it just kind of really dropped the ball towards the end. I'll just add on to that real quick. I, I think you laid it all out really well in that, but that Martin seems to get off oddly scot-free in terms of his tangible crimes, which are blackmail, and outing somebody <laughs> for outing somebody for being gay to the whole school. One of which is something that I think the FBI will knock on your door for, you know? And so it is, it's interesting that I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say like Simon did something wrong for sure to kind of pair off the different friends that way. 
but it does a little feel like he was confronted with a moral and ethical scenario that like few people who are not high level government employees would like ever have to grapple with. And it, so it does ring a little strange that they're like, ah, I can't believe you. It's like, not really a roadmap for this one, buddy, but, but yeah, but Martin's just still like, eh, I kind of suck. Well, and we kind of get the sense that, that Simon had already decided he wasn't going to continue with this when he tells Martin off at homecoming and then Martin gets embarrassed. And so that's when he decides to out him, but it's like, Simon was already having his kind of moral quandary and we don't really actually get to see the results of that. Even though again, homecoming happens like a full two months before Christmas. So the timeline in this movie is very confusing to me, but I think it's also a stark contrast between Martin and these two bullies who you see, you see them drop the F word at the beginning. And so like, you know, from the beginning that these guys suck and they're mean to Ethan, the, the other gay kid at school you know, but like the scene in the lunchroom, while it's really offensive, they get this like huge, you know, talking to from this teacher and it's like this big moment and Martin doesn't really get anything like that. Although he does get the one F word in a PG-13 movie, which I always track. Um, yeah. <laughs> he does get the one F word aimed at him. <laughs> it's a well deployed, I'll, you know, just to step outside this, it is a well deployed F bomb. Yeah. <laughs> I want to clarify because there's two different f word slurs. There's two different f words. We're ta- now the well deployed one we're talking about is the fuck word. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> um, in PG thirteen movies, fun fact uh, is you only get one f word in a PG thirteen movie. Right. And so if fuck. you watch a PG thirteen movie, which I often do, I love to like look for the one, and yeah. he it's when he tells Martin off in the parking lot and he says, "Leave me the fuck alone." Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that was a really effective moment, but Martin doesn't really get any like his classmates don't turn against him, you know, the ones who are like woke or whatever. He doesn't get in trouble at school. I just find it kind of bullshit that these like two random bullies get kind of all of the punishment aimed at them. And Martin just kind of gets off scot-free because he has a come to Jesus at the end. Hmm. All right. That's a that's a lot. lot. We had a lot of conversation there. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, let me let me start by first addressing like the Martin versus the bullies. Um, so the way that I look at it um, is uh, kind of twofold, right? So what the bullies are doing um, in that scene is violence, right? It is violence against gay people. Whereas um, and and so yes, we should treat that harshly because it is violent. Um, it's violent rhetoric against uh, the two gay, the two out gay people in the in the school, um, and so I think that's why that is addressed more harshly than what Martin is doing. Um, what Martin has done um, can be viewed as bad judgment, which we see that he has bad judgment throughout the entire movie, um, in that he does not have good critical thinking skills. Um, and so in that sense, um, what he is doing is not malicious in the same way that the bullies are violent, right? And so I think that's why there's a difference between the, uh, the teacher dressing down the two bullies versus what happens to Martin. Because what happens to Martin is that he, he sees the ramifications of his bad judgment, which is really what it's about. It's bad judgment, bad decision-making that is, you know, led by a a sense of not really understanding uh, how to live in society, which let's be honest, teenagers don't understand how to live in society. Um, And and so I think that's why you see kind of the disparity between the the reactions um, because with Martin, you see that what he's striving for is to be liked and to be understood and to be part of this group. What you see with the bullies is something that will, if not addressed now, will escalate into true violence, like physical violence. Um, and so I think that that's why, um, that's why those are, are so vastly different and held and, and, and um, uh, treated so vastly different. Yeah, I can see that. I think that maybe what this kind of goes back to the friend group topic is that 
Martin doesn't even really get any ramifications socially at like the high school level in a way that I think you would in real life. Like when he approaches Simon at the Ferris wheel, if I was in that friend group, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Don't talk to him. You know, like I just, it's their reactions are so not what I would expect from a true like high school group of friends. That's been very serious, close friends for a while. And so that, I think that it's more just that he kind of continues to get away with it at every level. Like there's no discipline at like the high, you know, the administrative level, like the bullies had, but there's also not really any consequences at the social level, at least not that we see. Yeah. And I think like part of that, uh, so I think that we don't get to see it um, because he's not the main character. And so a lot of the things that are going to happen to him probably are happening off camera. Um, but also like, um, within the context of, of, uh, the, the school and the, the society that he's basically a part of, people don't really like him. Right. So like they already aren't really giving him attention or, uh, really anything that like, like, why would you, why would you give him more, more attention? right? Because you already don't like him. You don't really want to pay attention to him. So like, why treat him worse than you already are treating him? Because you're not really treating him very good. Um, just exclude him, which is kind of how I read um, the way that they were dealing with it was like further exclusion. Um, you know, it would have been nice to see a little bit more of the uh, the interactions during um, during the, you know, continued rehearsal of Cabaret um but like to to show that ostracization because you know he obviously that there would have been impact there because they were all or at least some of them were um involved in the play um and so that would have been nice to see but i think maybe it got edited out um for time um you know i like i i can't i can't really justify them not giving him screen time so okay um let's see so another thing we were kind of and we touched on it and bounced off a little bit was just kind of you know the i I wrote down scope but kind of like how everything fits in this movie the framing of the school year as kind of like you know the story um you know kind of culminates at the end of the year um and so roasted i know we were going to kind of talk about that and just like you know how much happens in this and when things happen yeah, I think that's that's actually a good jumping off point from what you were saying, Grayson. Like, I think that the timeline of this movie probably worked really well in the book. Admittedly, I haven't read the book. I would actually really like to because um, I tend to favor books, especially when they cover as much time as this one does. Um, a full school year is a lot to cover um, in a you know less than two hour movie, and there's kind of these touchstone points that you're clearly supposed to see like homecoming Christmas break and um, you know, the musical slash almost graduation we assume. And I think that so much is clearly happening behind the scenes that we don't get to see. And it's at the detriment of me kind of understanding the choices that people make. Um, the fact that it takes Martin from homecoming, which generally happens in like October all the way until Christmas break to like drop this bomb. Like, do we really believe that people have been focusing on him for that long in a high school that appears to be pretty big? Um, and you know, again, how long it takes the friend group to kind of forgive Simon feels really long. And I, I just feel like there's so much we're not seeing. And instead we're like, spending time with Tony Hale's weird vice principal character. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, show me, show me what's really happening here. <laughs> so speaking yes. of Tony Hale's character though, I think there's an example that I picked up on that kind of highlights the, the wishy-washiness of the timeline that you're talking about Casey. And it's, so he tells Simon, I think when he first takes his phone that he has a, a hot Tinder date later that night. And then we go through a montage of Simon and blue emailing each other back and forth and from the cadence we've seen it's about one email a day you know Mm -hmm. it's not it's not incredible but it's like consistent so they go through several exchanges 
And then there's a later scene, I think it's the one in the library where uh, where the principal starts complaining about, oh, the, I had the Tinder date, and he specifies last night, and it didn't go that well. And I don't, maybe I'm, I'm being too sort of anal about this, but it really bothered me because I'm like, everything in movie logic that we've just shown expresses to us that it has been a week, several days, but now the movie is kind of just casually flouting that and going, no, it's maybe only been 24 hours. And so I, yeah. I just think it, time kind of accordions together and apart as the plot needs in this movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I Yeah, I think that's a really good example of, of how the timeline is unclear at times, but then uses these kind of touchstone moments to explain where they are in time that don't necessarily correlate to each other correctly. I mean, I... I... I can't really, uh, I can't really defend uh, most of those points. Um, you know, uh, I think the principal, like, I, I agree with you about the principal. I think that um, he was mostly superfluous in, in the movie. And I honestly don't remember him from the book. So I think he might have just been added. Um, uh, but, um, you know. Top one up. That's a win for Tony Hale. <laughs> Um, so like for the, um, you know, for the, for the Tinder date part of it, um, I don't think he says that he has a Tinder date tonight, but he does say that he had it last night. So like, I don't know, like I, I do online dating, um, maybe less so now, uh, with COVID, but, um, you know, it's never let's meet the next day. It's always like, Hey, this weekend or, you know, like X amount of time in the future. And so like that didn't really trigger my, 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 uh, spidey sense there when it comes to like discrepancy in the timeline. Um, you know, I think that, I, I think that the, uh, like accordion nature of, of, of the timeline, I think is a, a great metaphor because like, that's how high school feels. Right. It's long stretches of monotony with these touchstones of like, oh, it's homecoming or, oh, yeah, we got Christmas break or in my case, like, oh, yeah, it's Mardi Gras break. Um, and, uh, you know, like so like high school feels that way. Um, and for me, it just felt like a um, like, yes, there's some there's some maybe ambiguity as, as to when and how long things are happening. Um, but I mean, I think if, I mean, also if COVID has taught me anything, uh, days blur together and sometimes it's like, holy shit, today is Thursday. I thought like yesterday was Monday, kind of like, because I'm just not paying attention or the monotony of doing the exact same thing day in, day out, um, which let's be honest, that is high school day in, day out, like without those touchstones, it feels like nothing right and so um i see that as an effective tool um that the filmmakers used in order to kind of give you that sense of uh of that feeling from high school interesting um okay the last point that i think we have time for that i have on my sheet here is kind of like um a little bit of like the social dynamic of the high school that we see and also you know um the contrast between you know what the main story which is you know simon's experience plus or contrasted with ethan who's this already outed gay character that you know is very different from simon right um i know that was something we were gonna maybe get into a little bit yeah i, I can speak to that i think the film it so this movie tells a story that i think is through the lens or through the perspective of relatively socially successful people in high school. They're certainly not lame. They're going to parties. Um, they, they seem to be by and large having a pretty good time in high school and no one's really given them too much grief outside of, you know, the, what could be argued as, as uh, a hate crime in the making essentially, but their status quo, I think is pretty successful in high school. And I think the film looks down on what it perceives to be, dorks and there's a couple times i know we've been uh ranking on martin for the specific acts that martin does in the film that aren't good but before those acts that martin commits martin's kind of just a 
a harmless dork, as they know it, with all their evidence, who is into magic and maybe has a Halloween costume that I honestly thought was pretty clever and funny. Uh, and, and so I think the film gives us enough reasons to dislike Martin through the actions he takes from like the a quarter of the way on, but the film dislikes him before that. And I think for me, that felt kind of uneasy. I went, you know, I'm like, oh, why is Simon so, so, I, I, so reticent of this guy before he's even blackmailing him? And then also I think a specific example is maybe when Simon is, is kind of casing the school for people in Game of Thrones shirts because Blue has said, oh, I really like Jon Snow. I like Game of Thrones. And he sees people that I think the film is trying to articulate are not traditionally attractive. And Simon kind of recoils a bit. And I, you know, it's, I think it's a, it would be a legitimate thing if you were talking with somebody online and met them in person and you just didn't have physical chemistry. That's fine. But the film, I think, almost plays it as this kind of wah, wah. And I don't know. I, I didn't like that. I, I felt like the film has a lot of really, uh, really poignant moments going for it. And it felt like those just blunted the journey by making Simon like, yeah, kind of a, like maybe a low-key bully. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Because I think that the friend group is, they're like kind of, hesitant when Simon invites Martin to the party and like basically the pre-party with them you know and it's like this kid is doing this play with you like you've theoretically been working with him for a while like and I understand that my high school experience does not match a lot of people's and you know common listeners will know that I came from a pretty small town and we just didn't have a lot of options so we were kind of friends with everybody but I don't really see how you could like work on a play with someone. Like I feel like drama kids is a pretty standard high school click and how you could be like, how could I ever spend time with this person after play practice? And so, yeah, they, they definitely give off this, like we're a click, like a, like a smaller click of kind of hot people vibes and and then that also doesn't really hold water because the Leah character is like this insecure, like nobody likes me, you know, but also she's Catherine Langford and she's like one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my life. So I'm like, what is the dynamic here? I really don't understand it. Um, yeah, so for for the friend group specifically, and uh, I'm going to save Martin for, for last. Um, so for the for just the like group, everybody else, <laughs> I just think it's a meteor topic. So, um, <laughs> for, for the friend group, I think that, um, you know, it's in, in, I'm going to go back to my high school experience, which I also grew up in a fairly insulated, uh, community. Um, uh, I went to, uh, a Catholic school um, and relatively small. So everyone kind of knew everybody. Um, not that we were all ever, like, not that we were all friends, but we knew everybody. And so like, um, um, I was in, I was in plays with people who I probably wouldn't hang out with and vice versa. Like they wouldn't hang out with me. Um, but um, where was I going with that? Oh, um No, I totally just drew a blank on where I was oh, going no. with that. Um, oh, right. So, like, I hung out with a fairly eclectic a group of people, right? Um, so, some people who were popular, some people who were not popular. And I was kind of like this go-between that kind of bounced around between a whole bunch of different groups. That's just who I was. Um, still who I kind of sort of am still. Uh, and so, like, I understand that friend group maybe at a, a more... Um, basic level because that's who my friend group was. I I'm definitely wasn't Simon. I was probably more like Nick. Um, um, but um, yeah, so I, I think that, I, I think that having the kind of like the, the uh, socially awkward girl, we have Nick, we have Simon. Um, and then uh Abby, um, actually, like one of the things that's missing from the movie is that Abby just moved um, to uh, the town from Atlanta. Um, and so she has this like 
big city mystique um, about her, which is why everyone is like drawn to her because she's the hot new girl. Um, and so that's that's one of the pieces of context that's just like missing from the um, from the movie itself. Um, and so like I understand that the dynamics between the friend group. Um, now with Martin, um, I will say that. Uh, high school people generally tend to see weakness, right? Um, and especially like the the people who have a strong social group, they see weakness and they will exploit weakness. Um, this is just how humans are, right? Um, it's not actually dedicated to, or uh, isolated just to high school, but it's exaggerated in high school. Um, so I'll give you an example, like I. Um, after the after the Catholic school, I went to a boarding school, and uh, there was this one kid who, um, super nice guy, but kind of a dork, um, uh, very much like Martin actually, um, not manipulative and and mean, but like he was just a little bit, a, a little bit dorky, a little bit. Um, I I don't really know how to describe him. I was friends with him, um, but like he was the butt of a lot of people's jokes. Like um, I, I went to a boarding school. One of one uh, some of my friends um, basically stuffed him into a mail bag uh, and just like left him tied up for like an hour. Um, and it's just things like that. I mean, it was awful, but like no one did anything about it because that's high school, right? Um, and like, absolutely awful. Like I still, to this day, many years later, uh, feel bad about that, that I didn't stick up for him. Right. Um, but that's what happens in high school. It shouldn't, but it right. does. But I guess my response to that would be, uh, I, I think you're right. I don't think anything you said just now is incorrect, but in you articulating it, you already now in just a couple minutes, like interrogated that action and critiqued it more than the film did. And I think my thing is not the film presents something that is never accurate. My question is these characters are the protagonists. Why can't they be better? And, and so, yes, I agree. Uh, but the story was about Simon, not about Martin. So, like, had this been a story about Martin, absolutely, that probably would have happened. Absolutely, probably. <laughs> I would actually totally watch, like, an alternate version of this that is from Martin's perspective, by the way. <laughs> Hate Martin. Totally. <clears throat> um, well, everybody, we, uh, I think we might reach time to unmask. Uh, and so uh, let's go around. We'll talk about, you know, in, in true Love, Simon fashion, we'll talk about how we really feel. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll start with you, birthday boy, Grayson. Uh, I'm not hiding anything. I love this movie. Um, I, I agree with a lot of the points that are made about, um, just some of the inconsistencies in the movie, but doesn't ruin it for me. I still love this movie. This is one of those ones. I'm in a bad mood. I put it on and I feel better. Nice. Uh, Casey. Yeah, I also really enjoy this movie. I think that there are some inconsistencies, but I kind of chalk that up to being adapted from a book. I haven't actually read the book, and I definitely have it on my list, but I do know that sometimes when you try to adapt a piece of fiction that covers a long timeline, there's going to be things that get cut. It's just part of the process. Um, but I I think that something we didn't talk about was like the, the acting and the people who were cast in this movie. Hmm. And I've been following Nick Robinson since uh, the criminally underrated Kings of Summer, which is a very good movie if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> we and got thumbs up. Other he, thumbs up. Yeah, he is so good in it, and he continues to be good in everything I've ever seen him in. He's just like one of those actors that just really like sucks you in, and you're like, yes, I will follow you anywhere. Um, and then also like Alexandra Ship, I think is just a really good like kind of up-and-coming actress right now um Catherine Langford like the, the this cast is just stacked mm -hmm. and I I kind of like I feel very connected to them and 
even though this high school does not really resemble my high school experience, it does feel like a real high school to me, which I think is a, a feat that is not often accomplished. Yeah. Uh, Cody. Yeah, I think I, I really like this film. It, it resonated with me a lot. Like I think any good coming of age story does, right? Like I, I am straight, I've never had to come out, but it still is able to, in its specificity, speak to having to sort of come into yourself and, and figure things out. So I, it, I really liked it. Um, I also just love, I really dig the fresh angle and I think Russell spoke to it, that it's, it presents coming out as it doesn't downplay how difficult it is for this character, but it presents it as not traumatic. And it feels very much like, yeah. not just like somebody wrote a generic coming out story, but that somebody in 2018 sat down and went, this is a 2018 coming out story. This is not 2005. That this is what would happen now. And I'll just highlight one line from the film that I really liked uh, that it, Simon is still kind of grappling with, with still having to come out. He, he says something along the lines of, why do only gay people have to come out? Mm-hmm. And we get this really funny but also poignant montage of, of people going, I, you know, like a girl going like, I like guys. And someone like, God damn it. You know? <laughs> I, it's, it's a really heartfelt film. Um, I the the Martin critiques that we had, every Martin pre blackmail is still uncomfortable for me. I'm like, yeah, he's in the magic, whatever. Um, <laughs> but but I think it's it's a really heartfelt story. I I absolutely love it. Nice, Quasi. Uh, yeah, I I just love this conversation, and I think that there's so many different aspects to this outside of the film that I want I hope we can talk about and hope sparks the conversation with others in terms of just continuing to normalize stories like this and making you know the conversations around um, uh, this this part of uh, young people's lives is something that we can all you know embrace and accept and love and I think so and I, I, I think that it's sparked conversations within churches and I think at the, especially coming out in 2018 is it's either I mean I've, some people say it's a representation of yeah this is where we are and some people say okay this is kind of a dream and this is something we need to aspire to so I love I, I'm glad that this is now where we are in filmmaking and storytelling so when I, I I really liked it when I when I saw it and I mean I'm I, want to see it again i think the love victor series i've heard is pretty good too um so continuing yeah, i have some thoughts on that for extended yeah. play definitely oh, okay <laughs> well continuing the legacy of this and it's it's let's keep having stories like this even if they you know if if, if we can have continued failed rom-coms about straight marriages we can continue to yeah. have as many stories as we fucking want about any type of relationship <laughs> so i love it yeah. and also you know it helped the, the the guy who plays Brom, uh, Kenyon Lonsdale, he came out as queer on set when they were filming. It's oh, great. wow. I didn't like, know that. And Nick Robinson's little brother came out as gay during the process, too. Oh, wow. It's just, love who you are, and everyone loved that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm yeah. on board. As we all should be. Um, yeah, I, I pre- I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. I don't remember specifically, but I feel like I did. Um, and, and I, I mean, I, I thought it was great on rewatch. I, I, I think it's amazing. Um, like I, I don't, I didn't cry in the theater, but when he like is posting his letter on the Creek thing, I cried this time. Like, I mean, maybe it's just my emotional state's more fragile now than it was in 2018, but, um, I was just like, wow, I love this movie. Um, oh, we're but, all broken um, people now. So everything- I cried through the, like final hour of the movie several times so. <laughs> I, I mean i i there wasn't a dry eye in the theater whenever i saw it yeah um but i think i think it's great i think that ow don't bite me um stop <laughs> biting me cabbage everyone this whole room is chaos during this recording why um anyways uh i've lost my whole train of thought anyway i think i think the the whole cast is great um and yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say anything anybody hasn't already said, but I'm glad somebody mentioned the, the that coming out montage because I think that was like that was one of my a part of the movie I really enjoyed. Um, and there's the the mom who's just like, oh Jesus, help me, save me. <laughs> the mom, the mom who kind of is half falling off the couch and going, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Oh my God. That's 
but uh but but yeah i mean you got you got all thumbs up around the whole table for this one uh grayson for your birthday and happy birthday that'll do it for your birthday happy episode birthday. we all loved your movie yeah Yay. um and yeah thanks for thanks for being part of the show it was great i'm so glad to do a birthday episode for you um and yeah everybody um as i mentioned at the top of the show we're gonna keep talking on our extended play which is our uh, post show just for our patreon supporters and it's even more affordable now than ever um but yeah head over to patreon.com slash 24 flames pod get all of those they're all um available for uh for the low low price of two dollars a month now um but uh but yeah go ahead and uh, go ahead and check them out everybody um and let me see what else there's a drink along up there um but uh yeah if you got thoughts about love simon you want us to know uh emails 24 flamespod at gmail.com uh you can hit us up on social media at 24 flamespod uh subscribe and follow see all the new stuff that's coming out and um yeah everybody that'll uh we're, we're excited wherever you listen to podcasts Go and leave a rating, review, subscribe, whatever you want to do, um, so that more people can find the show. We can make the show better. It's uh, it's a win-win for everyone involved. It takes like two seconds. Um, and yeah, this episode was uh, produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak. It was co-hosted by Quasi Phillips. Panels this week: the roasters were Casey Rom and Cody Olson. On the defense was Grayson Hay. And our uh, show music is composed and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our network and co-op, Party Fish Media, is produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me. Everybody, we are going to be back next week with my birthday episode, which I was said a long time ago I wanted to do Five Goes West. But I don't know when we're recording this if that's what I'm going to end up doing. So stay tuned. I haven't decided. I, I thought of another good idea at one point, and I forgot what it was. I'm trying to remember it. So, um We'll see. And, uh, yeah, but we're, we're going to do that next week from, from my birthday, um, which is only two days after uh, after Grayson's. So um, Aquarius is we're in season. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, everybody, we'll uh, look forward to catching on that one. And if, we, uh, if you don't listen to the extended play, we'll just see you back here in a week, everybody. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Happy birthday, Grayson, one more time. And, uh, everybody, bye-bye. Hey, bye-bye. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.